Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and with me all the way from... Wales, wherever that is, is the gold standard in ghost hunting, the godfather of ghost hunting, or whatever, Steve Parsons. Good evening. How are you? I am outstanding. And I'm also glad to jo- hear that. Also joining us today from the West Coast is my favorite West Coast switch, Marla Brooks. Your favorite. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Who's your favorite West Coast witch? Because I'm the only one. This is why I'm his favorite West Coast switch. Yeah. Yeah. So today is one of our special shows where we take a subject that we may not be experts on, but uh, we have our own thoughts on it and our own stories, and we'll bring them to light. Um, Tonight's topic is one of my uh, favorites, which is sea uh, sea serpents. Sea monsters, sea snakes, whatever. So I, I decided, if what does uh, you know Webster's Dictionary have to say what a sea serpent is? And it says a sea snake, which is a real beast, by the way. And then the second one is a mythical sea monster. So tonight we're going to look at it and see out what you think it is from what we've dug up. So... Have you guys been uh, thinking about this? I know Steve is. I did uh, I've got I've got an issue with Webster's dictionary. Oh, who cares? Right you've, got, you've got a you've got an issue with everything. No offense, Steve. Uh, well, right, you know, right off the bat, a mythical creature. You know, the last time we did this show, and, and I mentioned the the time thing in the ocean, you went. You had your issues with that. And then the time after that, it was, well, we're not going to get into it at all. So continue. Uh, it's just a, it, you know, a mythical creature. We have that, no was the, that was the second. That yeah, was the but, I mean, that's, second definition. That's, pre, that's presupposing that it's mythical and it doesn't exist. And I agree with him because I looked up and there are real ones that they're calling to this day. Um, seriously. I think. Monstrous creatures, but there's also, you have the fictional ones from, you know, different movies and TV shows. And How then you, you also. Fiction? Um, well, well, Webster's Dictionary says a, says a mythical. I, I told you what the second definition, which is not the yeah. first definition, is. No. And it, the first one it said was a sea snake, which is a real beast and has been seen and is quite poisonous too as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I found uh, a couple of real ones too. But yeah, yeah. go ahead with I the was taking issue I was taking issue with them calling it mythical. There's no evidence that it's mythical. It is. It is a mythical thing, meaning what do you mean there's no evidence? That's why it's mythical, you clunk ahead. No, it's not. I think you I think yeah. well let's let's just have a look at the dictionary definition of the word myth. Should we yeah. a widely held but false belief or idea? 
Really? Yeah. Which makes sense. It's sort of like, uh, so, you know, so basically Webster's, the dictionary is, Webster's Dictionary is saying it's a real snake uh, that swims in the sea, or it's a complete load of poo. Right. And I think that there is substantial evidence. We, we have written testimony from Royal Naval officers and captains of ships describing these phenomena. In fact, I'll, I'll start off by giving you one, should I? This is from... It's from 18th, July the okay, 8th. Okay, now, wait a minute. I have issue with what you said. Because according well, to my Webster's Dictionary, a myth is an old traditional story, a legend, one concerning a uh, supernatural beings or creatures with the expression to believe. We've already, we've already debunked Webster's Dictionary. No, yeah. I just debunked your, your definition of myth. No, so well, it, to, should we just stick to the Oxford English Dictionary as it's the the accepted? No, we, we'll step to the uh, the uh, Webster's uh, Encyclopedia Dictionary of because, of course, hear, the United States is the leading country of the world. Today, and today. continue today, July, July the eighth, and this account is also from July the eighth, eighteen seventy five. And it took place at latitude 513 south, longitude 35 west. And this is um, the affidavit uh, taken at Liverpool Police Court, a declaration made uh, in front of a judge uh, by Captain Dravar and officers and crew of the Bark Pauline. What year is this, Steve? July 8, 1875. Okay, thank you. Okay, so uh, we, the undersigned captain, officers and crew of the Bark Pauline of London, do solemnly and sincerely declare that on July the 8th, 1875, at the latitude I mentioned, 513 south, 35 west, we observed three large sperm whales, one of them was immediately grabbed around the body with two turns of what appeared to be a huge serpent. The head and tail appeared to have a length beyond the coils of about 30 feet and a girth of eight or nine feet. The serpent whirled its victim round and round for about 15 minutes, then suddenly dragged the whale to the bottom head first. That's a good account. There you go. Which actually goes into uh, this this one that I found. Uh, and the reason I say that, because the description is very similar. Uh, according to the Portsmouth Journal on June 9th, 1827, which predates yours, an account of a terrible sea serpent was seen by the crew of the Irish ship Quebec Trader. Captain Cleary the, uh, reported this in his log. The boat's crew was sent from the Quebec trader to board a wreck. As they approached the wreck, the first man on the deck was seized and devoured immediately by a monster. The rest uh, pulled for the ship, which means they jumped in a boat and, and drifted back because this is old-time English. The wreck uh, drifted near our ship and enabled those on board to discern the serpent distinctly. He, he was coiled up on the deck. Uh, they fired at him, and he went overboard. 
they supposed him to be 60 feet long and nine feet in girth, which is very similar to yours. So we have two accounts uh, within a, a reasonable time period of uh, well, 50 years. Creatures that d of mythical creatures. That Will you lay off the mythical stuff and let's just talk about... You started it. No, I didn't. You picked up the wrong Which, definition of the damn thing. Exactly. If you read the first freaking thing, you, you, just like my wife, goddamn oh. you. Anyways, Molly, you have something so you can... I don't have to listen to him, please. Well, if you want to listen to me, um, <clears throat> I found a couple of ones that are real that are kind of interesting, at the very least. I mean, it's not a Kraken-type thing, but there is this, this well, one... Kraken's a different beast altogether. Well, no. I, well, I got that the Kraken was the largest sea monster of all time. It and is. It could toss ships into the air and has a lot of long arms. and Yeah, yeah. totally different than a sea serpent. Well, yeah, but we were talking about monsters, so I was digging up monsters. Okay, that's fine. We'll go yeah. with that. All right, so... <laughs> So there's one called the um, Mysterious Slinky-like Sack of Slime. <laughs> That's my co-host. Oh, oh, but I did <laughs> so, so what it is, I mean, it's real. But I'm, it, sure, it's, I'm sure I'm Carrie Goodman. I'm glad she's not listening when you just called her that. Uh-oh. <laughs> Good, good comeback. Um, so, so it's a glowing, swirling, gelatinous blob, and it was first photographed by scuba divers off the coast of Australia. And um, it's like an enormous worm in a way, but it, it's new to science. They haven't figured out if it's a jellyfish or what, but um, it's also called the diamond squid. But it's hard to know for sure because they said IDing squid eggs is a pretty esoteric art. But anyway, this giant diamond squid can be about three feet long, weigh about 66 pounds, and it resembles like this really pretty pinkish kite attached to a cluster of tentacles. And it can lay somewhere like, you know, 50,000 eggs at a time, and they're all encased in this gelatinous tube that can grow to six feet long, and that's why it's such a slimy sack of... Slinky, slimy sack of slime. But they consider it a, a sea monster. Yeah. Sure, it's not just frog spawn. Sounds like it, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It does, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they also talk about the kleptopredator, which is a sea slug, and they say that that is also a monster because it's like this bottom-dwelling slug that dines on polyps, but the researchers... Now, now that sounds like my co-host on this program. <laughs> but, but researchers determined this year that the slug strongly prefers to chow down on polyps that have just finished eating dinner. And this kind of sort of behavior is known as kleptopredation, which is stealing a predator's feast by swallowing up the predator as well. Now, I don't know whose co-host that is, but um, yeah, and, and the, just one more. They have a cannibal corpse worm with monster jaws, and it's called the bobbit worm. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the <laughs> bobbit thing or not, but it's, it's, it, they found the, fa the fossilized jaws of a very giant marine worm, 
and they were discovered near somewhere in Hudson Bay in Ontario, Canada in February. And this is the granddaddy of all marine worms that lived 400 million years ago, making it the oldest worm. But its, its massive jaws can stretch for three feet. So bobbit worms lurk in the ocean and they're still, well, no, I guess they're still around. They lurk in the ocean beds around the world today where they bury most of their bodies in the sand before shooting out for a sneak attack on unsuspecting prey. I had a girlfriend like that. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm done with the real ones. We can go back. I'm done. To... I'm done with it as well now. Yeah. Moving on. We do. Uh, should we do ghosts? So, anyways, uh, according to uh, the leading Danish scientist, Dr. Anton Braun, uh, he now has laboratory proof uh, that the sea monster exists. What are you going to say? Laboratory proof then of the bobbit worm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anyways, there are, there's like he has a whole list of, of pretty much um, well documented cases of uh, this much to being seen. But you know what I'm noticing? Do we have any modern cases? These are all back in the 1800s. Has, oh yeah, we've got lots of modern cases. We've got very modern cases in West Wales. Oh, this isn't the one when you were at the uh, the life saving station. Oh. The woman came up. Okay, very good. Uh, <laughs> Carry on. Well, give us an example. Uh, well, this is only two thousand and three. Um, oh, that's that's pretty good. Literally here. Uh, literally, I can see where this took place from this oh, wow. window, um, and a reward was offered for somebody who would capture or net the sea monster um, of the Clevai River. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a question that was being asked. In, uh, the reward was offered in the local newspaper. Um, and even a Canadian television crew arrived um, after the barmaid and the customers of the Pembroke Dock pub swore they saw a giant sea creature in the Milford Haven waterway uh, on Thursday, the March 2003. Um <clears throat> David Crew, the licensee of the Shipwright Public House on Front Street, is offering £150 for anyone who will catch the monster. Barmaid Leslie John, who was the first to spot the strange sea creature, said, I was standing at the bar looking out towards the water at the side of the Gun Tower Museum where I saw something in the water. It was long and snake-like. I have never seen anything like it before, and it was just after the Irish ferry had left. There was white water, then a fin, then something moving away. There were four people in the bar, and I shouted to them to look over there. One of the customers was Peter Thomas, of, uh, who, who said, I definitely saw a head, and then the water splashed about 10 metres away. I sailed my boat in the part of the waterway, and I've never seen anything like it before, he said. The landlord, David Crewe, Uh, added, they all described it as long and snake-like. They saw the head and then the tail end. The difference between those was about four or five car lengths. It's caused a lot of interest locally and people have come in with quite a few suggestions as to what it could be. It's all a mystery. Is there a sea creature or not? I am willing to give a reward to anyone who can find out if there is. Um, And then how to apply for your reward. That was only 2003, just half a mile from here. 
You know, of course, rewards are not uh, new. Uh, we here in Massachusetts had the famous Gloucester Sea Serpent, which was seen by hundreds of peoples. And uh, in 1886, P.T. Barnum posted a $20,000 reward, dead or alive, for the sea creature seen off this uh, the coast of Gloucester. Uh, but no one ever collected it. So... Well, you met him, didn't you? What was Barnum like? I uh, don't know, but I think your relative was there. Sea, sea serpents, there are, there are countless accounts of them. The question is, what are they? Are they? Are there several species? Are they one species? What What are they? And what what are your thoughts on it? What we really need here is to hear from an expert who has spent the last year or so making a documentary on the subject and that's still continuing so without conclusive you know without a conclusion on it i wouldn't dare comment on it other than well i mean you... i could say the same thing i could say the same thing then i mean i've only been to loch ness for a total of four weeks so you know i hope to go back so i couldn't possibly speculate uh, as to what it might be but, well, I have I mean, thoughts. Of, I have thoughts about it, but, but to call me an expert is, is is a little uh, lame. But that's all right. Um, you know, sea serpents because of the the numerous accounts of them, and the the very uh, similar characteristics in, in the various ones that I believe that we probably were, if not still doing, uh, dealing with a uh, un. No known creature or that has not uh, yet been defined, and that I, goes I, for lake monsters I, as I, well as is sea, uh, sea serpents because there are this very close similarities between the two. Actually, I would disagree. I would say that. Uh, of course, you would. I expect nothing less. Well, I'm basing mine on science. Um, you really are. Yeah, I, this is good. I, 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 uh, I like to see I, I, science you're basing this on. You get a word in edgeways, I'll tell you. Hmm. I, would, I would venture to suggest that what we're dealing with is just a supersized version of a known species. And in fact, um, in September of 2019, there was a, a report published by scientists from New Zealand who had spent some months cataloging all of the living species in Loch Ness. I saw that. Yep. by extracting the DNA from water samples. And what they actually came up with is uh, the most likely explanation because of the propensity of uh, eel. They said there was a significant amount of eel DNA in Loch Ness. Eels are very plentiful, um, and that there are several large species of eel, sev some of which, if isolated from the ocean, for example, could, uh, under good conditions grow to length of 30, 40 feet. Now, that's mm -hmm. the classic Loch Ness monster sea serpent size. Unfortunately, it's not the, the uh, classic lobsnake monster, or I'd say the sea serpent uh, description. Uh, so, uh, uh, well, and further, furthermore, it, the leading, one of the leading zoologists in, uh, from the... Uh, uh, Harvard University uh, disputed those, uh, not disputed the results, but uh, uh, dis disputed the conclusions of them that it doesn't necessarily prove that the Loch Ness Monster is a large eel. 
Uh, well, I, I do not, but I do not have that information in front of me right now. Well, uh, interestingly, there was a survey that was conducted in Norway, um, at a, in, in the Norwegian field, uh, that was of a similar. Uh, interesting, a lot of these sea monster accounts, lake monsters in particular, come from the similar latitudes, and they found that the the elvers of uh, a species of large eel were proportionately 10 times larger than they ought to have been. Mm -hmm. um, and that would presuppose that the species itself could be up to 10 times. Maybe standard eel is three foot. So multiplied by a factor of 10, and you end up with 30 foot. And they've already right. got the elbow for these from Norway. Now, Norway's right. only 150 miles as the crow flies or the eel swims from yeah. the nest. Right. Uh, and I, 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 bizarrely, it's actually at the same latitude. Um, so I think, and if you look through the accounts, um, the vast majority of them, and that's why we call it the sea serpent, because it's serpent-like. And what's more serpent-like than the serpent? Well, an eel. Well, so not necessarily, because you have you have you have uh, creatures like the orfish, which has been mistaken for sea monsters many a times, and yeah. uh, I believe out in California, uh, out towards Yahweh Mala, there have been many reports of or, or uh, fish out there that were mistaken as sea monsters. Correct? I, I was just reading about it because BBC did a, a show on it, and they mm -hmm. think that that might be the truth behind the ancient tales of sea serpents, because. Um, I, well, from what I'm seeing, this oarfish it can grow up to 36 feet long, and it swims like a snake at the bottom, and it matches all the descriptions of frightening monsters from the deep, and it's um, capable, it said, of sending witnesses fleeing for their lives and sightings in shallow water incidents. Well, I imagine if I saw one, it would be a little scary, but they're actually harmless, they say. But they and the, the problem with that, though, is is the latitude, because the oarfish doesn't exist in the northern Atlantic waters, where the Loch Ness monster and the Norwegian ones do. And how and, would he get into Lake, Lake Okanagan? And, and the other reports, of course, are, are I mean, the, the people that actually have died from the sea serpents are reports of it, of death uh, by sea serpent, which, if you, <laughs> your oarfish is harmless, uh, wouldn't fit in that category. Well, no, but maybe that maybe this was the the prototype of all other sea serpents. I don't know. Maybe they migrated. Maybe they mutated. Maybe they did. You know, who knows? Quite a few people have been killed by eels. Yeah, oh, yeah. Or eels are like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I th I think we've got a prima facie case there for eels. Uh, the, only, actually, the only problem with the eel is, is a description of the sea monster. Most of them have a horse's okay, head on it, eel. which is not very similar to that of an eel. I don't know. You mean like well, a hippocamp? I mean, That's a seahorsey. Hippocamp from Greek mythology. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the hydra also. So maybe that's where that came from, too. But see, okay, here's what I think. In, in some cases... There's always a reason for somebody in seeing something or inventing something or something. There's always where there's smoke, there's fire. So maybe people did see something weird going on and said, okay, well, this is what it is. And then it gets embellished over time into something way bigger than it probably was. You know, maybe somebody saw a 12-inch eel 
and exaggerated it slightly. And then, you know, like Chinese whispers, it goes from one to the next and it keeps growing and growing and growing. But the only problem with that is, is Steve mentioned when we started off the show that there are <laughs> reputable of accounts of, uh, of sea serpents. Well, you have what? to define reputable, maybe. I mean, I don't and know. The commander there of were... a royal naval... No that, is re- no, that is reputable. The, cap- the captain of the uh, Quebec trader. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. There are reputable, like, you know, people seeing UFOs in, from the Air Force or, or the RAF or something. They've seen something that could be a UFO. I, I agree with that. For instance, in, uh, off, off, the, off the Cape of Good Hope on August 6, 1948, Captain Peter McKay. Oh, wow. Mc, Mc, how do you spell it? Say that. M-Q-U-H-A-E. Com- <laughs> commander of the, uh, the uh, Royal Navy Covert. Delius, Delius, observed the sea monster uh, and reported it officially to the Admiralty. Uh, discovered an enormous sea serpent with a head and shoulders that kept about four feet above the surface of the water of the sea. There were at least 60 feet of animal. It passed under our lee quarters. Later that same year, the commander of the American brig Delphon uh, reported a similar sea monster observed uh, from 40 yards away. The commander fired at it. Of course, we always do. Americans fire at everything. Uh, (laughs) But it escaped. So uh, there are some very reputable reports. Wouldn't you agree, Steve? There are absolutely reputable reports. and You can't dismiss them. You can't simply go, well, I don't believe in all that sort of rubbish. Right. I mean, it's... uh... So I mean, they've got loads of weird names for them as well, haven't they? Like the, you've got the Calder Lion is, is one name for the Mediterranean Sea Monsters. And there's a description from this one from... Trying to find the year, the date. But, but the, that, the Mediterranean, if there is a Mediterranean, it wouldn't fit in with your eel theory, would it? Because it's a different latitude and longitude altogether. No, 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 no. Eels, eels are quite happy to exist pretty much anywhere. Uh, but anyway, the, Col- the Caldelia, or the Caldelion, is a Mediterranean sea serpent. And one account says here that this is dated to the mid-1900s. Uh, sailing along the coast of Corsica and Sardinia on June the 9th, we saw a sea monster which appeared several times during the same day, spouting water from its nose to a great height. It is called Caldelia and is said to appear regularly before a storm. A storm came on the Monday, which lasted four days. Hmm. Okay. So there you go. Anyways, we have to do take a break now. So uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Pass and Marla Brooks and yours truly, right here on Toad United Pararex Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, in Methuen, Massachusetts, and a Galant Messier Family Law Group. And we'll be right back to talk more about sea monsters and sea serpents when we come back. Welcome to Tokyo. 
Radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. The creepy and the kooky, mysterious and spooky, they all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal, the topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. International for a Sea Monster special. It'll be placing Marla's monthlies with Ron Colek, Marla Brooks, and a guy in West Wales with a very strange pirate accent. Yeah, Sea Monsters. Um, <clears throat> oh, you mean it's a wooden leg? Could be done. Um, yeah. Talking about monsters in Norway, uh, I dug out. I dug out during the during the outbreak. Uh, some works from an early Scandinavian writer called Olus Magnus. And he describes, this is uh, way, way, way back in the Viking era. Uh, oh, so is this book. Hang on. Um, sorry. A monster being 200 feet long, 20 oh. feet round, with a mane 2 feet long. He says it's covered with scales has fiery eyes and raises itself up out of the sea like the mast and then occasionally snaps men from the decks of ships. Uh, He remarked that around and about Norway there is a great snake more than 200 feet long that sometimes in very calm weather involves ships in its coils and sinks them and devours their crews. Norwegian fishermen dread them and enough to make them stay at home. Oh, that's pretty cool. There we are. But, I mean, you're right, though, Steve, about before that I am doing a documentary on, on sea monsters and sea serps, and uh, the Gloucester one is, is simply amazing one because uh, – it was uh, seen for, oh, God, off Cape Ann from 1817 to 1886. What's that, uh, 70 years, is it? Yeah, about, just about, to, yeah, just about 70 like years, right? nearly an hour. That's like nearly yeah. an hour, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the locations for those sightings are indicated on the map. But anyways, um, it was seen numerous times by hundreds of people. Uh, and since... 
since that time, it hasn't really showed up again. But uh, it was spotted, like, uh, just hanging out for over two weeks in one particular area, catching fish and eluding captives. So, I mean, there were many reports at that time. They knew it was there. They, they actually went out to try to catch it. It's a fascinating account, that one, because the, the ladies ride out from Boston, don't they, and picnic with their... Um, with their bows, or you know, go out in right in uh, rowboats out to try and yep. see things. It, it, yeah. it becomes a huge tourist attraction. Exactly. It's, it's know, an I mean, amazing thing. You can't you can't just sort of walk away from accounts like that and say, "Ah, well, you know, they, these were you know, simply make believe." You know, not when people were. You know, there were so many witnesses, so many people. In fact, there were people who came down to debunk. The, the cave animal. Oh, yeah, there always are, yeah. Uh, and then went away. I think you know, Joe Nichols was there. Uh, I think his great-grandfather was. Oh, that's uh, a great-grandfather, yeah. And uh, went away disappointed. Oh, I mean, sure. Joe Nickel actually has been has, uh, debunked the Loch Ness Monster. I'm sure he has. And pretty much anything, anything and everything else. Yeah. Um, which, of course, is the world's oldest and the great-grandpappy of all sea monsters, because uh, good old Nessie's first account appears in the year 565, when... Um, Columbo. St. Columba, no, not him, the other one. Oh, uh, no, when St. Columba? Columba no, uh-huh. no, not him, um, was spreading the news, the Gospels of the heathen scripts, and uh, he needed to get across the Ness River, so he sent... Uh, one of his monks to swim over and grab a boat. Uh, but the monster appeared and bit the swimmer and then set about attacking another another of the monks who went in to intervene. When Columba ordered the beast to go back, it obeyed and over the centuries has never attacked humans ever again. So I mean, that's five, six. I mean, of course, then you get the, then there's a bit of a. People always say there was a, a huge gap, and Nessie didn't do anything then until the 1930s, which is actually factually incorrect because Nessie, Nessie appears in in uh, Scottish, uh, Pictish folklore, and in um, Scottish tales right through the uh, the Middle Ages. But the Loch Ness uh, story itself really takes off in the 1930s when they. Sh- uh, put a new road along the sides of the, the loch um, and opened up the, the, the views because Loch Ness previously was quite tree-bound and it was, it, it, as, as it is now, in fact, because a lot of the trees that they cleared for the road-building project have now grown back and you can drive. You know, it's not the world's longest loch, but at 26 miles long, it's fairly respectable. And you can drive for most of its length down either either side of it and not see very much of the loch itself at all through the, the underbrush and the, 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 the scrubby trees. Um, it's a fascinating place. You know, yeah, I yeah, went up there. Pure, it uh, looks I went beautiful. Up there with this, well, it is. I went up there. The first time I went up there, it fascinated me since I was a kid because we have the Loch Ness Investigation Bureau who were a bunch of men in thick duffel coats who spent their entire summers manning observation uh, platforms on top of vehicles with cameras on them. Hello. And I grew up with all this. And I wanted to go find out for myself. So, you know, Did you? Did you find it? Well, I found Loch Ness. 
eventually <laughs> I and I went up there thinking, well, I've got no internet, um, and it's going to be very picturesque, and it's going to be a nice break. And I became totally engrossed in this damn thing because it it, it became very quickly apparent that when you spoke to the locals, the people who worked in and around the, the lock and saw it every single day, they all had accounts and their accounts were all remarkably similar. And not one of them disbelieved in the presence of a large creature in the lock. Um, and then when you actually see the lock itself, you realize you could put a fleet of nuclear submarines into that lock and not many people would notice they were there. Um, and you know, all of the stories, people like Joe Nickel comes to, oh, it's a, it's a, a come on. <laughs> in fact, some of the accounts say it was an elephant. Um, I'm sure it was. Say, yeah, no, I no, no. That. I saw that actually, yeah. Explanation, yeah. The yeah. circus owner yeah. used to did, did, in fact, used to swim his elephants in Loch Ness whenever mm-hmm. he visited Inverness. And, um, you know, uh, people said, oh, it was just the elephants that people were seeing. But you get a count, it was an overturned boat, or it was a dolphin, or a seal. Now, while I've been there, I've been there for a total of four weeks. Um, and I've seen dolphins, I've seen sea lions, I've seen small fishing boats going up and down, leaving waves in the loch. Um, I've seen the loch in flat, calm, mirror-like conditions. I've seen the loch wind-blown and interesting. And I've never once been fooled by anything I've seen to think it was a monster. Um, you know, you know, we look for... No, for I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't buy this idea that people are fooled. Mm-hmm. And... We were there on one particular morning. The lock was Miracle. Uh, we were at Inverfarragay on a, an old railway pier that probably juts out maybe 40 feet into the lock uh, at, at very low level, so maybe only two or three feet above the water. And we watched as this wave, uh, imagine like a boar or a tsunami, um, started to come down the shore of the lock toward us. And we were, there hadn't been a boat passed in two hours. The loch was like a mirror. I've got photographs taken on that morning, and it was just like a glass, flat glass mirror. And then this wave um, appears, this tsunami wave appears, and it travels down the loch side. And you can see it coming down the, down the loch side. Past us, and then continues down, and it breaks over the edge of the pier that we're standing on. What we were seeing was a seismic wave um, Loch Ness is a, is, a, is a very seismic part of the world and um, you know people have said that seismic nickel was another one that said these seismic waves as they rattle back and forth up and down the length of the loch are responsible for people being fooled didn't fool us and so that's why I don't buy I'm not, I'm not a maritime expert I don't spend time at sea or on a boat or uh, you know, watching, you know, overlooking Loch Ness. And at no time was I fooled by something that was in the water or on the water of the loch, uh-huh. thinking it was a monster. And so when I hear sightings and I hear people dismissing it, saying, oh, it was a dolphin, it was a seal, it was an elephant, it was, it was deer or birds, um, and people were fooled. Well, it might fool some of the people some of the time, but you're never going to fool all of the people all of the time. I think P.T. Bynum. P.T. Bynum. George Bush said that. P.T. Bynum. <laughs> no, George, it was George Bush. George W. said it. 
He didn't quite get it right, but PT bottom. <laughs> well, Ron, you've got a holiday to, to uh, celebrate on August seventh. Yes. It's um, an unofficial national holiday, but I think you might enjoy it. It's called National Sea Serpent Day. Oh, excellent. Most excellent. That would be a great time to release the documentary if it wasn't stuck in virus for the past four months. <laughs> can imagine, can imagine, yeah, I can imagine lots of people say that would be a great day to release the Kraken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll be a Kraken time, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but... Kraken means something completely different this side of the deal. You know, yeah, I go, you go back, you look about, you know, reports. Steve mentioned reports many times. And you look about different groups that have gone out and investigated. There is, during the uh, the Gloucester one, which is, you know, it lasted for quite a period of time. Uh, I don't know if uh, you're familiar with the uh, Bala, but do you are you familiar with the uh, Lenian Society? Mm-mm. No. Steve? Uh, I, I know the name. Yeah, the Leading Society is one of the oldest uh, active biological societies in the world. It was founded in 1788 by F- Sir Francis Edward Smith, uh, who was his first president. Uh, the society was named after Swedish naturalist Carl Linnaeus. Uh, who, uh, whose botanical, I can never say that, and zoological and library collection uh, is one of the largest in the world. And anyways, during the, uh, the, uh, the sightings of the Gloucester sea monster, or the KPN sea monster, uh, the London Society actually commissioned a committee to go out and investigate it. And they collected tons of evidence, uh, firsthand accounts of sightings, and published it, finally published it in their report in uh, 1817. So um, there are people that are researching it, but perhaps this is one of the ones that is, I think, the most intriguing or the most compelling because it was compelled while it was, ha- uh, it was compiled while it was happening uh, by a reputable organization who originally went out there to uh, discover what the, they didn't believe it was a sea monster. They believed it was some other natural phenomena, and they were not able to uh, come up with that conclusion from the the accounts that they collected. And it, it's it's an extensive page. It's page after page after page of accounts, uh, very much done like like we do with our, our ghost investigations, where we question the witnesses or, or even a police investigation. So there is some people in report, uh, some serious reports out there that give compelling evidence that this creature and other creatures like it are real. Well, well I sure. would say that... Uh, sorry, Mom. No, I was just going to say... Just gonna say <laughs> well, make up your mind. <laughs> what is... <laughs> We're yeah, just like, di- you know, Tweedledum and Tweedledee, but go ahead, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's a delay on Skype. That's what the cause of it is. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, uh, on, on, uh, when you likened it to the ghosts, I think unlike uh, sea monsters, I think ghosts probably do classify as mythical creatures. <laughs> oh, you just pissed off a lot of uh, ghost hunters out there. Uh-oh. So sue me. <laughs> they probably <Really>? will. <laughs> They'll unfriend you, Steve. They'll block you. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> but I think 
sea serpents must be very, very popular because I just came across a Sherwin-Williams ad. For in case Steve doesn't know, that's a big paint company here. And they have a paint called Sea Serpent. Lovely. Yeah, and it's the ugliest gray I've ever seen. So it's really an insult to sea serpents. But to call it, you know, call it paint instead of ugly gray, they called it sea serpent. I don't know. My house is painted by private jet. Whatever color that is, it's a blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where did they come up with this stuff? They got a bunch of drunks in a room, and after a, a pint, a, a, a quarter of whiskey or whatever it is, they uh, come up, hey, I know, how about uh, sea serpent? I don't know, how about private jet? Well, so, if I were anyway. a sea serpent, I would be insulted at the ugliness of this color. Oh, there you go. Did you know but, they found a lot of oh, Sherlock Holmes found a lot of Ness Monster? What? Did? Mm. Did you and, uh, Well, they were making The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes in 1969, a movie. You know that he's a fictional character, right? Uh, and they were filming at Loch Ness, and they built a monster for the movie. And it sank <laughs> and disappeared. Um, it was when it was taken alongside the the uh, the, the, the harp pier in nineteen sixty nine. The director didn't want the humps and asked that they be removed, despite warnings from the rest of the production that it would. Uh, affect its buoyancy and the inevitable happened and the Loch Ness Monster sank. Oh, the um, yeah, well, the, the weird thing about it is uh, they found it again. Um, surveyors investigating the Loch have found the object. That they, this was uh, in, uh, when was this? When was this? Was this last year or the year before? Uh, anyway, they found, the, they found the Loch Ness Monster, 2016, April. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, not the 1st of April, but they found Nessie at the bottom where Nessie had sunk oh, uh, down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So uh, there we go. Um, Nessie was found by uh, Sherlock Holmes. Well, thanks to Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Got to thank him for lots of stuff. I just, I just watched the Sherlock Holmes movie. You know who Sherlock's home was? The guy that played Max Headroom. <laughs> really? Yes, can you imagine having Sherlock Holmes? Oh, man, that's insulting. Uh, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Sorry to the guy who played Max Headroom, but he's <laughs> well, no Sherlock Holmes, right? He's no Sherlock Holmes. It was a good movie, but it was Hallmark. What do you want? <laughs> um, well, that explains it. No to Hallmark, but... Quick, quick, right. nudge, nudge, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I do digress, as usual. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there are, I don't know... What about the the? I mean, we talked about Loch Ness, and we and I talked about a lot about the Gloucester Sea Monster. I mean, is there a correlation between the two? Are they the same creature? Are they cousins? Or, uh, what's what's everybody's thoughts on that? Well, there should be more than one. There has to be more than one. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been one. Unless they're what do you call it? Uh, like a worm. Or, or oh, it's it's, uh, whatever. But yeah. what was it? Doc Holland. One investigator claimed it was an interdimensional time traveling. Yeah, they, that's their answer to everything. Yeah, that's what Sasquatch is. That's what everybody yeah. is. I think I think I'm one of those too, and I don't even know it. Oh God, help us if that's the case. <laughs> no, I, 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 
why 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 would they be related? Well, because if they were all eels, because the, the sites are similar. I mean, the sightings yeah, so, are similar. So, yeah. So so eels live in um, both parts of the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, not sure what you're saying, Steve. Well, I'm saying that what we're dealing with here, I, I think, is just a large, a large species of eel, or several large species of eel that have adapted to their local climate. Okay, In actual fact, if I, if, I, if I go back to that Pembroke one, I, the 2003 one, the one where mm-hmm. the barmaid and the, the, the landlord, in reality, um, there aren't many people here. I think what we were dealing with uh, back in 2003 was a little bit of newspaper hype because it was, it was fairly readily uh, it was common knowledge amongst the local fishermen, um, you know, the, the professional fishermen that what they were dealing with was just one of these uh, occasional minky whale visitors that come up our, up our waterways here. And they've come up, you know, there was one scene in, in London, notoriously. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Wasn't there a sea serpent? Yes, you know, whatever, yeah. Yeah, and it, it turned out to be a minky whale because these, these things are very long and thin. They're about 40 feet long. They're quite slender. They've got a tail at one end and a head at the other. Um, and the way they, they have this, because of the, the long sort of slender bodies, they do tend to appear... Um, quite serpentine in their movements and there wasn't a fisherman you know i've spoken to many you know a number of local fishermen about this 2003 case and they all go they all say the same thing that it was a minky whale Mm -hmm. and that these minky whales do regularly come up our rivers um you know uh, in search of whatever minky whales are in search of when they come up rivers but they're not Uh, uncommon chicks and if, if you if you listen to the you know the account from Scandinavia before and the one from Norway um, and the Greenland case that was in the same sort of um, that that these sea monsters blow water from their noses. Now that sounds awfully like something else, doesn't it? Like a neti pot. <clears throat> what about you, Mala? What are you? Well, no, I think honestly, I think. It's like a tiger. You have so many different kinds of tigers, but they're all tigers, and they're all kind of very similar. So there could be little little um, groups of clusters of these things all over the place. They come from the same basis, but they're just maybe slightly different and maybe different climate or whatever. But, yeah, I think there's more than one. Has to be. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I would, uh, yeah, I, I believe there's more than one, but do you think that, that for instance, the uh, Oki Pinocchi and, and the Loch Ness Monster are related to, for instance, the Gloucester Sea Serpent? Yeah, I uh, do. Somewhere along the line. Yeah, I think so. Well, conger eel and moray eel and common eel are all related. They're all right. genetically yeah. related. Exactly. But they all have adapted, you know, some of them are big and vicious. Some of them are small and, you know, edible. Yummy. The uh, I wouldn't describe eel as yummy. I've tried it. It's not not pleasant. No, uh, I, I I don't. I wouldn't want to try it actually. No, it's a, it's it's a bit of a delicacy in London, uh, up in the East End. You know, um, yeah, people eat anything. Eel, eel, eel pie and it's like, no, no, it, it really isn't very nice. I mean, some people think it's a delicacy, but then the French eat snails, don't they? There you go. And I've never, I've never met a Frenchman I like. <laughs> well, 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 snails, snails are good. What do you mean? You don't like snails? You've, had, you've eaten them, Rob? Escargot? Yeah. Yeah. 
Really? He's Polish, he'll eat anything. No, not quite. Usually with, gra- with, <laughs> not usually quite. with graham crackers. Not quite. Anyways, uh, yeah, the, there are many reports. I mean, and there are many misinterpretations, and we, we discuss this a lot, but uh, caucuses, they said people say the same thing, that why we, we don't see uh, Sasquatch, or why, you know, because we never find the, the, the caucus. Uh, but there have been caucuses that have washed up, and uh, unfortunately, uh, some of them have been um, – Misinterpreted. Others have uh, been basically destroyed before there was any any chance to do any research on them. So uh, perhaps there are. I mean, uh, I know. Of them, it, I think of wishful thinking, aren't they? Like the Montauk monster. Yeah, exactly. There are some I mean, that are. I was but, three and a half. All three and a half foot of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But but there are there are also hoaxes too. We we don't don't want to leave that out because people do hoax. I mean, perhaps the most one of the the most famous ones to me, anyways, is the one that occurred on Lake Erie, and and there was a sea serpent terrorizing uh, shipping on Lake Erie, and uh, three guys were out in a rowboat one day, and uh, the sea serpent came out and uh, attacked them, and they they killed it, uh, and they brought the body into town and they showed it to the sheriff and uh, it became quite popular. People came from all around to see the, the airy sea serpent and uh, it, it all went really well until uh, one newspaper reporter began to do some research on the gentleman that found the sea serpent and they found out they were actually uh, involved in a sideshow from a circus uh, and by the time this was done, of course, they were charging to see the very sea serpent. So there is, there, like in everything, oh. there are people out there that fake evidence. And there are I th- a lot of gullible people I mean, who believe it. Well, I think one of my favorites is, 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 the Loch, is the first of the Loch Ness fakes. And this predates the famous photograph, the, the surgeon's photograph. Uh, because um, as the stories began to break... Uh, the, the British newspaper, the Daily Mail, commissioned a famous, Britain's most famous big game hunter, Marmaduke Weatherall, to go up there and catch the Marmaduke. Cat. That's cool. <laughs> Marmaduke Weatherall. I love it. And he, he, he was famous. I mean, he was the, you know, he was an A-lister, a uh, big game hunter. And so they employed him to go along and uh, catch the Loch Ness Monster. And he'd been there... But a few days when he found large footprints um, on the shore of the loch, which he believed um, belonging to a powerful soft-footed animal about 20 feet long, um, casts were taken and they were sent to zoologists at the Natural History Museum in London who determined that these tracks were identical with the um, foot of a hippopotamus. And by, <laughs> by unfortunate coincidence, exactly the same hippopotamus um, that Weatherall had as a astra, um, an umbrella stand in his hallway. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So um, he'd just gone along or got somebody to go along and stamp the footprint. And all of the footsteps were all the same one as well, which was a bit, you know. Nessie, so, uh, Nessie was, yeah, hop off. Yeah. So I think the, the the real thing is pretty much like the 
the thing that would put the the, the Bigfoot to rest and other the Yeti and so forth is to bring back a uh, a body. And uh, you know, as Doctor Anton Brown, he was uh, one of the leading. He used to do expeditions to look for some of these creatures that were difficult. And uh, he is noted for bringing back a startling marine find uh, from one of his expeditions, which. Uh, was a huge anglerfish that appeared to have neon tubes in its mouth. These lights attracted smaller fish when it's fed. And this quote ends, since my expeditions invariably reveal such surprising trophies, Dr. Braun says, why should the unfinished or unfished deeper waters not yield the prize trophy of them all, the great sea serpent? A mystery turned into reality. So hopefully somebody will, as we explore the oceans deeper and deeper, finally put this to de- to uh, rest and bring back a sea serpent. Oh, so, nice. Anyways, I want to thank both for joining me today and uh, tune in next time, next month, when we do this again. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street in North Andover, Massachusetts. Steve, have a good night and stay safe. Mala, you too. You too, Becky. Good night. Good night. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.